You're listening to TBD, a podcast for brilliant coaches, consultants, helpers, and healers creating their best work and their most meaningful contribution. I'm your host, Megan Hale, business strategist and thought partner to help you distill your wisdom into your most potent offers and the multiple six figures that go with it. I'll be the first to tell you though, as someone who's done it, this path is far from a straight line. There are highs, there are lows, and so many moments of uncertainty in between. But if there are two things I know to be true, it's you always know what you need to know when you need to know it. And the next right step is always on its way. Let's do this. Hello, hello, my friends, and welcome back to the show. I feel like it's been a whirlwind of a week over here with school getting out already. My oldest turned seven And I've been wrapping up this current enrollment period for this brand new six-month offer. Plus, this week, I am diving into a strategy intensive to prepare for my first round of raising capital for the Money Map app, which is so exciting. I have had this dream for so long. And sometimes like our dreams can be so big. You're like, how in the world is this thing ever going to become real? And then we just start taking these small steps, right? And it's like this path starts to emerge and we just have to keep taking the next step and the next step and the next step and so on. And things start to happen, right? And that's exactly how all of this feels with building out this app. So all of these things have been good things, but they have been big things. And it's definitely been a fuller season for a week or so, but business is cyclical like that. These tiny little sprints here and there and then vibing back down to a normal pace. So that's where I'm at this week, kind of, getting back into my normal groove. And where I wanted to start this episode is with a framework I found really, really helpful that will offer some context for our topic today, especially around creating a values-driven sales process inside your own business. Now, this topic is super relevant for me because I literally just taught a whole live training series all around values-driven launching. And inside of our launch strategy is going to be this values-driven sales process, okay? So I hope that even mentioning the words values-driven sales process that you get excited for how you want to operate in the world. And if so, you, my friend, are so my people. So this is really a process that I've intentionally curated for myself over the years that has not only allowed selling to feel good for how I want the process to feel for me, but also intentionally designing this process for how I want my potential clients to feel too, because this is a very connection-based approach, is very relational. And your values-driven sales process is going to be unique to you as it should be. This is going to be based on your unique values. But I hope that this episode really gives you a lot of rich ideas for what this can look like inside your own business. But first, let's dive into the antithesis of a values-driven sales process, which really centers the brilliant work of Kelly Deals and the phenomenon she has labeled FLEB, F-L-E-B, or the Female Lifestyle Empowerment Brand that takes up a lot of space in our online industry. Now, I definitely have not dove headfirst into all of Kelly's work, but even naming this concept of FLEB is a helpful anchor point for what I want to dive into today. Because I think a lot of us are struggling under the image we need to convey as business owners in order to be high vibe, especially being in the right, i.e. perfect energy or mindset in order to sell, for everything to always be wonderful, to always have an answer, to always be positive, and more or less have a constant smile on our face where we're pretty pleasant and everything is great, right? Like, does any of that sound like some other toxic systems that create similar pressure? Ding, 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 my friends, because... While this whole female lifestyle empowerment brand is promoting that key word empowerment, it's also deeply rooted in misogyny 
and toxic systems that are actually quite disempowering for those who choose to play by those rules or for those who are unconsciously subscribing to those rules, not even realizing the invisible pressure that this system is placing on you, okay? So what I know to be true is I have spent the past eight years learning so much around running, growing, and scaling a successful online business, and embedded in the very culture we are all swimming in are a lot of harmful, misogynistic practices that we've all learned. Because whether we like it or not, this industry has been born from patriarchal and capitalistic norms that have prioritized efficiency over connection profit over people, manipulative psychology over empathy, sovereignty, and humanity. And no matter how much we dress them up with new language and call them different things, the roots are still there until we uproot them. Now, I've had the great privilege of learning from a lot of people who have done their uprooting work. And still, regardless of the level of pruning, there are still imprints of those patriarchal and capitalistic lineages within all of us, right? None of us are free from it, which is why it's even more important for every single one of us to continue doing our own uprooting. Now, I will lean on Kelly here to dive into all the problematic layers and nuance of FLEB, but the piece that I wanted to highlight is where this intersects with sales strategy, common sales practices, and even sales beliefs that are not serving this industry and are the opposite of what a values-driven sales process means, okay? First, a lot of the FLEB model, from my understanding at least, leans on the idea of selling a lifestyle, selling proximity to power or prestige, and selling possibility in the sense of, I've been able to do this and so can you, when that is so not the whole story, right? Every single person in this world has different levels of privilege they're working with, different amounts of spoons, and most definitely unique obstacles that do not create a level playing field, okay? Now, the reason these sales tactics work, though, is because it preys on people's innermost desires that if they invest money to be in your energy, they can create results simply through osmosis. Someone else's success will rub off on you, so to speak. And honestly, y'all, who would not love for that to be possible, okay? But the thing is, this isn't totally, totally far-fetched, but it's definitely not the whole truth. Because being surrounded by positive people who are high achievers, for instance, will certainly have an impact and influence on how you think and approach things. But it's not going to absolve you or me from having to do the actual work, which will require, gasp, a lot more hard work than this FLEB model will let on. Because if there's one thing that FLEB is selling, it is easy. And oh my goodness, how much we all love to buy easy, okay? So what this whole concept has done over time has greatly disillusioned the very real realities of all the hardship entrepreneurship contains. So much so that when business is hard, we think we must be doing it wrong or we're misaligned when in reality, business is simply the hardest thing so many of us will ever do. And so I wanna be clear, the building a business requires a shit ton of hard work and hard work doesn't have to mean unsustainable, but it does mean persistent. Whether that's persistence and showing up from the inner work side of things or the outward creation of things, or in the most likely scenario, a healthy dose of both. And what FLEB does is it tends to, one, dismiss the importance of an intersectional lens. Two, it also dismisses the hard work and nuance that goes into actually getting results, but it can also include love bombing and all kinds of other maladaptive sales tactics that sadly work really, really well, but they're certainly not pushing our culture forward. And it's keeping a lot of female identifying entrepreneurs, especially sick 
from the embedded misogyny and contorting themselves for the male gaze disguised as feminine empowerment. Okay. Like there's so much here to unpack, which is why I want to point you to Kelly's work, but it is my firm belief that we are all getting free from this a little at a time. And we will always still be getting free from this because all of this is so deeply rooted in our macro culture and surely our micro culture of the online space. So now that we have some context of what we're not doing, I want to shift gears into what I want to invite you into instead. Creating a values-driven sales process means that you're intentionally deconditioning yourself from a lot of the so-called best sales and marketing practices, okay, that have been handed down through program after program, regardless of how many times that they have been translated. So in order to do this, we first must start by evaluating what are the so-called best sales and marketing practices we've been subscribing to, and how do those align with how we want to feel? How do those align with how we want our people to feel? And how do those align with our business values that literally act as a North Star for how we want to show up in the world, okay? So in the last training I did around mapping out a values-driven launch, I decided to create this launch lesson email series on the back end, which was a lot of fun to write and also like just layer in some extra wisdom I've gained over the years, right? And one of the launch lessons we talked about during the live training, as well as in the follow-up series, was all around values-driven sales. So I want you to imagine that a values-driven launch is the larger container in which a values-driven sales process happens, okay? Your launch contains the structure and the strategy, but your values-driven sales process is going to inform the cadence, the language, the content you share, the pace, the follow-up, the sales call, if you do sales calls, et cetera, okay? So when we're developing a values-driven sales process, I think it's so wildly helpful to first identify how you want to feel and how you like to be sold to, okay? How do you wanna feel inside your own sales conversations? Do you wanna feel graspy and fearful or confident and calm? Do you want to feel hurried and rushed or spacious and unrushed? Do you want to feel pressured with urgency or do you want to feel aligned, called, and clear that this decision is your next right step? Because your clarity here will likely point you to how you want your people to feel inside the sales process too, okay? And a lot of these answers will also inform the cadence and pace that you want to instill inside your sales process that gives the time and space for these values to really show up and lead. I also think of a values-driven sales process as including consent at every turn, which is a concept I credit to Lisa Kuzman and her trauma-sensitive coaching certification I did a few years ago. So consent at every turn can be as simple as asking a potential lead if now is a good time to talk about an offer. It can look like including an opt-out option in your sales email so people don't have to keep hearing about a potential offer that isn't the right fit or the right time for them. It can look like asking permission to send a sales page link or if they're ready to talk about investment. It can look like a constant checking in for how they want to engage in the next best step in the process, right? And not only is this valuable for the sales process as a whole and them having a positive experience with you, but it's also really essential for laying a powerful foundation for a working relationship should they become a client too, right? And it does not take an, a lot of extra thought or effort to layer in consent to your sales process, okay? It just takes some additional intentionality. A values-driven sales process also chooses what generosity looks like. So many of my clients share, it's such a relief to not have to go back and forth if they're sharing too much when we're mapping out their sales content. 
there's never a question about that because we don't follow this whole bait and switch tactic where we're giving people just this thing to upsell them into the next thing. Instead, what we are doing is delivering very specific sales content that they can implement right away, whether they take that next step with you in your offer or not. Okay. And what this looks like is delivering like whole complete trainings that people can implement right then and there into their lives or businesses. And it is not unusual for people who have come through trainings with me to say this was by far the best free training experience that they have ever attended. And what's even better is my clients get that same feedback too. Leaning into generosity is so incredibly freeing for you as a creator, but it's also so deeply serving for your people too, which really minimizes this sense of transactionality that can so easily show up in the sales process. Okay. We don't share to get. We share to give, knowing that the give is what results in the get for the right person, okay? Which brings me to identifying who the right person is for your offer to begin with, because this is so wildly helpful to know who your people are and what makes them the right fit. And this could be based on values that they hold, politics they subscribe to, foundational knowledge they have in place, other things they've tried in the past, a certain skill set, et cetera, okay? But the right fit is only one part of this equation because the other piece inside of values-driven sales process is also honoring the right timing, okay? So inside this sales process, our goal is to honor the humanity and agency of the people we are selling to and not only focus on our immediate revenue and sales goals, which of course are important, but also think much bigger picture for when someone could become a client down the road. And when we approach sales from this place, we also get to honor the right timing for our people. And I think this is the biggest gift we can give ourselves and those we also serve. There have been so many times when people have joined me multiple times in the exact same training before they are ready to invest. And it wasn't about a financial readiness. It was a timing readiness that is so incredibly important for your people to decide for themselves because only they know, right? If they are emotionally ready to say yes to this work, if it's a life season readiness for them to say yes to their work, because maybe they have the time and space for them to really commit to this offer or whatever that is, right? Only they know those things for themselves. And so how can we really honor that in the process, right? And what I see a lot of the times in the sales process is because we're so focused on the sales we need to make, we tend to override somebody else's knowing. We try to get into this convincing thing, right? Which never feels good for you as the person who's selling or the person who's on the other side receiving that convincing energy, okay? So there are two final pieces that I want to shed light on in this episode, especially in regards to flub and some of the harmful shit I see out there. And the first is having a sales process is always going to include addressing both the pain points and desires of your people. And I have seen this done so incredibly wrong and also so incredibly well. Now, a lot of bro marketers have long talked about stoking people's pain points in order to reach the sale. And I have long disagreed with that. Like that does not feel good to me. Instead, I've really focused on what my clients want and then showing them how we're going to get there through my framework with the actual steps I'm going to guide them through inside my programs, right? Plus, instead of stoking people's pain points, we can also normalize them because it is so easy for shame to come into a sales process if you are not exceptionally mindful, where we put the blame on the person we're selling to instead of acknowledging the systems that are very much contributing in the background, which is where I also so align with Kelly's approach here. Now, this is not to absolve personal responsibility of our potential clients, because of course, 
they play a role, right? But instead of focusing on what they're not doing and belittling them for that, okay, there's also the option to simply focus on what they need to start doing and the very real systemic issues that are getting in the way. And Kelly calls this naming the villain. I call it simply bringing the real things into the room, right? Like, yes, of course there are these obstacles in the way, but a lot of these obstacles are not your fault, right? Like a core example of this is whenever I'm introducing people to the money map and there's a lot of money shame around why they aren't earning the amount of revenue that they want to be making in their business. And there's so many layers that they are putting on top of themselves of like why this is all their fault. It's their mindset, blah, 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 blah. It's like, whoa. Uh, so many of my clients didn't start a business having any sort of financial background or education at all. Not only do we not receive financial education in our traditional education system and upbringing in the United States, at least, but a lot of us are not getting financial education at home. And if we are getting it at home, who knows the quality of that financial education that's happening because it's been so void from our culture as a whole. It's a taboo topic to talk about. Like money is not openly discussed or openly taught for many of us. Okay. And so one of the things that I really point out is it's okay that you don't know all of this stuff. A lot of us don't know a lot of this stuff because we were never taught it, right? And so it's our responsibility to now learn because this is something that our businesses need us to understand if it's going to receive the air that it needs to breathe in order to grow, which is where cash flow comes in, right? So such a perfect example of really calling out like, look, there's other things operating in the background that are contributing to you not knowing a whole lot about money, right? And we can also join with our clients in this too. Like me too, I get it. Like I started out in the same way. I had to learn all of this stuff myself, right? So all of this has felt like such a more connection-driven rapport building way to sell. That's really allowing me to join with my potential clients and not making them wrong or bad, but instead saying like, there's nothing abnormal about you, right? Like I get it. I have experienced similar things too. You know, one of my one-on-one -on -one clients right now is a sales expert. And I love hearing the way she talks about sales because it's a very relationship-based way of selling. But the thing that she says is sales is simply a transference of confidence. And even that thought alone is so powerful to noodle on for what that looks like for you. How do you transfer confidence for a particular offer for a client? What are the things they need to know? What are the things they need to have clarity on? What do they need to know about you? that allows them to feel confident in your approach, your style, your values, your support, et cetera? And how can you leverage your sales content to weave all of those pieces in, right? Now, the last thing that I wanna to touch on is this FOMO or maybe what I'd call F FOMO for the false fear of missing out. And this really is about creating real versus false urgency in your sales process, okay? Now, there is some encouraging research out there that shares some people do need real urgency to help them make empowered decisions. And this can especially be true for certain neurodivergencies. And also, even with some people benefiting from urgency, we still want to ground that in urgency that is real, not fake, okay? And here's what real urgency looks like. It looks like sharing the number of spots that are left in a program that are based on the capacity of your offer. It looks like letting people know the doors are closing soon so you can shift out of sales mode and into delivery. It looks like creating capacity-based bonuses if that's part of your sales strategy. For instance, if you want to offer one-on-one -on -one calls to a certain number of people when they sign up, there are only going to be a certain number of those spots available, right? It also looks like being honest when your sales price will be increasing the next time around if you're offering something at an introductory rate. And it also means honoring that, not just using that as a tactic, right? It also looks like being honest if you're not sure if you'll run something again, if you indeed are not sure how this is all going to go. 
Real urgency is based on real timelines and real availability. It's not about creating FOMO to get the sale. It's about leveraging organic urgency as it shows up naturally in the sales process, okay? So these are just a few of the ways I've been curating a values-driven sales process for my own business over the years. And I hope that it gives you some rich ideas for how this might look like in yours. If you are interested in learning more about Fleb and Kelly's work, definitely find her links in the show notes. Where I will leave you is your sales process is such a powerful container to really think about how your values are showing up and informing your decisions and process. And I believe it's such good practice to really re-examine the things you've been subscribing to because it's been presented as good practice and interrogate them. A values-driven anything will always be an evolution because as your values change, so will your process. And in each sales cycle I lead in my own business, I consistently check in with how things are feeling and what might need to shift to be in even deeper alignment for how I want to walk through the world. But what I know for sure is so much of the water we're swimming in, especially when it comes to sales and marketing tactics, is rooted in toxic, dehumanizing, and even destabilizing approaches. And sales do not have to be that way. We get to make the rules. We also get to do our own uprooting that is creating something new to be possible in its place. That's loving the world forward just a little bit more. And this is how we create real change. So until next time, my friends, here's to the courage to keep showing up even when clarity is still forming, knowing, trusting, believing. The next right step is always on its way. See you soon.